0: Time to record. Uh, time to record. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Why are you making that sound? <laughs> like you don't want to. Uh, record. You don't even have to do anything. You just have to listen and react. <laughs> I'm the one talking. Uh... You make it sound like such a chore for you to react to what I say. <laughs> Oh, I gotta listen. Ugh. Oh, I gotta sit here and listen. And sometimes I have to go, what? And chuckle. To beautiful things that you're saying to me <laughs> in my ears. Into you? Okay. Oh, yeah. the worst. <laughs> it's not. It's so great. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm so sure. glad I'm here. You're so glad that right. I'm here. Well, I don't know if I'm glad you're here right now, if you're gonna sigh about it. <laughs> Well, I'm a little bit sad because this is kind of well uh kind of the last time that we're going to be doing it this way. So we're going to One just be, last time. I know. We're going to just like be in a room talking to each other from now on. Right, but that's better because then we can see each other's reactions and I don't have to edit as much. Oh, I know it's better, but just... (laughs) And, you know, we get the benefit of each other's company in life. (laughs) (laughs) Which is Uh, nice. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Do you want me to come pick you up in Wisconsin, or...? (laughs) Yes, please save me. I'll send you a bus ticket if you want. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just cut out uh, the first two minutes. (laughs) Sounds good, like I usually do. (laughs) okay All right. <laughs> hello <laughs> hello this is a podcast hysterical hello. history broad perspective with me Haley and me Alexis uh thanks for joining us that was hysterical history with our android um assistants. overlords oh yeah uh, well yeah e- either or really <laughs> <laughs> Okay, delete the first two and a <laughs> half minutes. You know what's funny is like every time you talk about how long it is, I don't know until I'm finished because mine doesn't record in minutes. mine records in bars. Like oh, it's no. music. Yeah, mine records in minutes. So at the end of mine last time it was 2,300 bars and I was like, I wonder, I know that's long because usually it's like 1800 bars. Uh-huh. So I was like, this one's gonna be a doozy. Bars is in music. That's kind of cool. I, I'm i not really. I mean, it's very uninformative. Yeah, it's not uh, useful, <laughs> but it's, it's but in, cool. In case you're wondering, we're, we're in 4 uh, 4 and it's 120 beats per minute in C major. <laughs> Can't get more <laughs> basic than that. <laughs> we're such basic biatches. Um. Anyway, (laughs) are you ready to hear about Governor Morris? Yeah, I have no idea who that is. None at all? Like, literally nothing. Oh, that's perfect, then. You're exactly my audience. You've definitely, like, told me who he is, and I immediately forget every time. (laughs) You have amnesia about Governor Morris. I know. So I'm going to, up top, I'm going to tease that Governor Morris... He is basically an assassin from Assassin's Creed. Like they should write one that's about him what? Um, specifically. He doesn't kill people, as far as I know, but, but that like means he's all just of really the other good at his job, <laughs> quite possibly, all of the other things make him sound exactly like he's an assassin. So I'm like, oh, okay. I, so. I think that means that he's an assassin. Quite possibly. Because um, like assassins don't go around announcing it, <laughs> unless they're Ezio. Ezio Auditore da Firenze. <laughs> me, Ezio. <laughs> <laughs> like shut up, you moron. <laughs> I anyway. kill everyone. Me. <laughs> anyway, that's for our Assassin's Creed podcast. This one is different. <laughs> this is uh, this is for this who again? I forget who we're talking about. <laughs> well, his name is Governor Morris. He was born on January 30th, 1752 in New York City. So he's one of these, um, aristocratic boys in New York City, uh, whose parents are rich and he's, uh, one of our founding frat boys, Woo-hoo. Woo. which will, oh. <laughs> which will become clear later on. Um, so his first name is weird, obviously, um, Go- wait, he wasn't a governor He's never a governor. (laughs) That's his that's his first name is governor. (laughs) Yeah. He will be he will be a senator, but he will not be a governor. Senator Governor Morris. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What? Yeah, I don't know, dude. Uh, I actually do know. Like, I know why, but... This is already a Shyamalan movie. There's so <laughs> many twists. <laughs> so his first name is... Um, well, so it's... His mother's surname is his first name. Like, her maiden name. Okay. Okay. So, she, her name is Sarah. Um, I believe she's French, so it's more like gouverne. And people don't actually know how Morris's first name was pronounced. Because Abigail Adams apparently said that it was Gouverneur. But they also, you know, like like southern accents right now are a lot closer to what the accent used to be. Uh huh. Right. That's that's more of how the British accent used to sound when they came over. So that might be why she said governor, because um, that sounds more southern. But residents of town of Governor in northern <laughs> New York State, which was founded by Morris, pronounce the name Governor. Governor. Noor. They say I'm gonna say governor because it's easiest for me to say. <laughs> Uh, so I just disagree with both of them. They're both wrong. So you hear about families during the Revolution that were split apart by the war, right? Straight down the middle, a lot of times, uh, with British loyalists and with patriots. I don't know what to call them. Um, revolutionists, <laughs> the <New York> patriots, <laughs> no, revolutionists. You know, who want yeah. to start America uh, as its own thing. The re- the rebel, the rebel forces, the rebel forces. <laughs> <laughs> yes and uh Governor is part of the rebel forces um but his family they have some issues with that his half brother Louis Morris cuz he's the uh his mother is his father's second wife i think his first wife uh died and he's the uh oldest son of his mother his mother um so his oh, okay. half brother Louis who's older than him he signed the Declaration of Independence, so clearly he's picked aside. Whereas his other half-brother, uh, Stats Long Morris, What? What? Who's... I don't know. That's what it says. Stats <laughs> okay. is S-T-A-A-T-S, so... Jeez. Oh, okay. There's two A's in there. It's... And Stop. it's like... <laughs> Stats. Stats Morris. Um, he was a loyalist and major general in the British Army during the American Revolution. So well, there we've you got go. s- <laughs> we've got some issues in this family about that. So that'll come up later. <laughs> that will be a uh, <laughs> that'll be recurring... a plot point. <laughs> that will come back later. Right. Remember that uh, I mentioned that Morris is a founding frat boy, which means he was a part of founding our country. So clearly, he also picks a side. Yeah. Um, so as a 14-year-old, he accidentally dropped a kettle of boiling water on himself that scalded his right arm and side and forced him to miss an entire year of classes at King's College. Um, so he's already in college when he's 14. He started when he was 12 uh, at King's College, and, um, which is now Columbia University. Um, but he missed a whole year because he dropped a pot of boiling water on himself. And that arm basically became useless. Oh, there's a lot to take in on that story. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is not the only time that he'll have problems with, like, issues with his limbs. Um, I'm I'm Governor Morris, and I'm super (laughs) smart, and I don't know how to carry boiling water. Nope, he got it all over himself. And and I mean, that had to be really hard, too, because I'm assuming that he was right-handed. So now he's got to learn how to write with his left hand, which is probably why he spent a whole year away from classes. (laughs) <laughs> he's, that yeah like that's what he was like too ashamed to <laughs> just he's gotta like, learn to write learn to write <laughs> i can't show them my terrible handwriting i mean most i mean you have to handwrite. he doesn't have a keyboard mm-hmm. he doesn't have to speak to text he's gotta write morris like i said is from the aristocracy right um so he like as much as we had that in america and we we certainly do yeah not to the level of like, France or England with their, like, court system, you know, like or, or like, courts and uh, dukedoms and stuff. But, like, we have rich people who are in charge. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> even then. Apparently there's a quote from him from 1774, so two years before the Declaration of Independence. He says, The mob begins to think and to reason of his fellow Americans. Uh, poor reptiles. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> poor reptiles oh man um he will change his tune later um which i appreciate because i mean at this point he's not very old um he's born in 52 so he's 22 when he says that so he's kind of an idiot um but he'll get better later on classic like 22 year old uh (laughs) thing to say douchey thing poor reptiles um (laughs) mean, he's you know frat boy governor uh Poor reptiles. Poor reptiles. You can see his, like, sort of off-kilter, like, hat. Yeah. His fedora. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's not Mm -hmm. good. It's not super great. No. Okay, so on May 8th, 1775, uh, it says Morris was elected to represent his family household in southern Westchester County, now Bronx County, in the New York Provincial Congress. So... This is adorable to me. He was, his first election is to be elected to represent his family's household. <laughs> Which sounds like they're like, hey, why don't you go? None of us want to. Right. Like, none of us want to. Just send, he has, uh, just send that guy. Just send governor. Um, he has multiple older brothers and, like, a father, presumably, who could all go. <laughs> but they're like, hey, just, just send governor. And they elected him. Uh, yeah, whatever. I'm sure. Like that's what the family always says when they elect someone to do <laughs> right. something. None of them want to do. It's like at school when they tell you things are um, like voluntary and it's really mandatory. <laughs> right. They're just saying that to be nice. Like when um, you all shout, "Notes goes," and then someone is the <laughs> slowest. It's not like you elected them. <laughs> <to> no, it's <laughs> like do you it. forced them. <laughs> um, but anyway, it says as a member of Congress, he along of of that Congress. Uh, the New York Provincial Congress. He, along with most of his fellow delegates, concentrated on turning the colony into an independent state. Um, but his advocacy of independence brought him into conflict with his family, as well as his mentor, William Smith, who abandoned the Patriot cause when it pressed towards independence. So already he's making enemies. Um, And, like, I like that his family elected him. And then he's like, oh, let's be a state. And they're like, no, no, that's not what we want. <laughs> that's what not what we knows goes you into doing. This is the danger of representative government. <laughs> that, that's Even in your family. <laughs> that's the danger of, like... You, the family, quote unquote, voting to send someone to do something that none of them <laughs> right. want to do. You exactly. can't trust. You can't trust. And that then you young... send governor, and he thinks that uh, you should be a state, and you don't agree. So Ugh. should have made a, a better a, choice. What a disappointment! Right? What a little. Why did we send that kid? Why did we he's send like governor? The, he's like the fourth son or something. Come on. <laughs> Is he? But anyway, the youngest or like a middle? I think he's in the middle, but I think. He's the oldest son from that wife, um, but I think he's th- either the middle or the youngest. He's, he's definitely not oldest, so. Uh, like, I definitely get a young, youngest son vibe. <laughs> yeah, I think he might be. Um, it says, oh, so Theodore Roosevelt loved him so much that he wrote a biography for him. What? Yeah, he loves what? Kevin Morris, and I totally understand. You will understand soon, too. Um, and he wrote that he was em- emphatically an American first. Like, that lots of people at this time will say, like I'm, a, like, I'm a New Yorker, right? Or, like, uh-huh. I'm from Georgia. I'm Georgian or whatever. Um, but he's saying that he's very into uh, federalism, nationalism, and he thinks, like, he puts America first every time. Sure. Which okay. is very true. Um, so, after the Battle of Long Island in August 1776, the British seized New York City and his family's estate across the Harlem River from Manhattan. Uh, And his mother, who's a loyalist, gave the estate to the British for military use. Mom just gives it over. And I want to say he was born in that house, too. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, So clearly his mom is picked aside. And then it says he became a leading advocate of American independence and helped write New York's new constitution in 1777, which is a year later. So I'm sure he's had to leave this house with all the British people in it. And uh, go somewhere else. Then go sign the Declaration. Right. Well, he doesn't sign the Declaration. Or the Constitution? Yeah. They're working on the New York's Constitution. Um, Oh, okay. So this isn't, like, the big one. No, no, no. This is... It's only 1777. We're early still. We got, you know, what, 12 more years? But then he's appointed to a delegate, or as a delegate, of the Continental Congress in 1778, he was immediately selected to a committee in charge of coordinating reforms for the military with George Washington. Wow. After witnessing the army encamped at Valley Forge, he was so appalled by the conditions of his troops that he became a spokesman for the Continental Army in Congress and subsequently <laughs> helped enact substantial reforms in its training, methods, and financing. That's, um, uh, that's good because they needed it. Yeah. And I have a quote from him. It says, um, the sight of the troops in the snow, he called them an army of skeletons, naked, starved, sick, discouraged, shocked him for he considered the continentals at the heart of America. Pretty Um, much. And I have a, I have a shout out for you here. His support for Washington, Nathaniel Green and Frederick von Steuben contributed directly to the success of the training and structural reforms. Thrashed out in the snows of Valley Forge and in the meeting rooms of Congress. I was just about so, to wonder if, like, because they surely would have known of each other, but I wonder if they ever met. Yes, it says that they worked uh, together. So. Oh, that's beautiful. It, there's not a lot about von Steuben specifically, um, but I'm assuming that's partly because he is not extremely popular either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, whereas, <basically>. like, <laughs> later on, it talks about um, uh, Governor and Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So. We'll get to that. Oh, also, uh, in 1778, Governor Morris signed the Articles of Confederation. Okay. Which, like, that's nice in effect, but we know, as, you know, being from the future, that it doesn't do a whole lot, and it's not very effective, so. Right. It's like the, the life raft compared to the boat. Right. But it points out how um, significant he is in founding the country. So in 1778, it says when the Conway Cable was at its peak. Do you know what the Conway Cable is? Or Cabal? No. No. I figured you didn't. I didn't know what it was. So I looked it up and I have the first paragraph from that to read to you from Wikipedia. So, the Conway uh, Cabal was a group of senior Continental officers in the late 1777 and early 1778 who aimed to have George Washington replaced as commander-in-chief of the army during the American Revolutionary War. Well, well now, who did they Uh want? Did they have a replacement in mind? They sure did. It says it was named after Brigadier General Thomas Conway, whose letters criticizing Washington were forwarded to the Second Continental Congress. When these suggestions, uh, and then in parentheses it says, which were often little more than criticisms and expressions of discontent with either Washington or the general course of the war, uh, were made public, supporters of Washington mobilized to assist him politically. Uh, Conway ended up resigning from the army. And General Horatio Gates, a leading candidate to replace Washington, issued an apology for his role in the events. (laughs) Uh, 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 Yeah, I mean, kind Uh of right. He wasn't like he wasn't that great of a general. I mean, I I agree and I get it. But even at the time, Washington's fans will not stand for this. Right. And like that, that's probably more important. He has a lot of like emotional... Uh, meaning, import, right. Mm-hmm. It's important. It's important to have him there because he he was he was important if for nothing else but like morale. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, can we um, pause for a second? Because I think my my headphones are are giving out in a weird way. You want to pause recording, or do you just want to take a minute? Uh, just uh, take a minute. I just need to replace some okay. batteries. Sure, do it. I just need to replace some batteries. What What kind of batteries do you use? (coughs) Triple A. There you go. Or just one triple A. A. Get a triple A. I'm gonna leave all of us in. Triple A list. You can't hear me, can you? Oh my god, why is my phone doing things? Phone! (laughs) Dang it! Can you hear me? How many batteries do you use? Just one, just one, just one. How do I open you? Again. Like that. And boop. <laughs> and boop. And boop. Hello. I'm back. <laughs> Could you hear me at all during that? No. Oh, I said I was going to include all of it. <laughs> How many <laughs> batteries do I use? Song. <laughs> I'm just going to no. leave it exactly how it is. <laughs> That's the danger when I am in charge of editing. <laughs> I had had to go across the room and get a battery for my headphones. Yeah, I feel relaxed and normal like nothing weird about it. Yeah. Um, okay, you ready to keep going now? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. So, what you're probably asking is what does Governor Morris has to have to do with that at all? That's what I But I'm he you're like why um like that's exactly what i'm asking but why but but why why (laughs) oh so but if that had succeeded um george washington would have been court-martialed and dismissed as commander-in-chief oh wow Wow. yeah and court-martialed like that's messed up they're not just kicking him out they're like getting him in trouble yeah that's serious that's like treason treasonous Right, and it says, at the time, Governor Morris cast the decisive tie-breaking vote in favor of keeping Washington as commander-in-chief. Oh, okay. So... So he, he's the serious boy. He was quite important, actually, in that happening. Can you imagine having a history where Washington was court-martialed and dismissed as commander-in-chief during the Revolutionary War? That like, is hard to imagine. That's a dark timeline, man. And who do we have to thank for that? Governor Morris. Governor Morris. Governor Morris, who was never a governor, but he is <laughs> he is quite the quite a founding Father Bay. I love him. I keep forgetting in the back of my mind that he's not a real <laughs> governor. He's never a governor. That's just his name. <laughs> it's so funny. You should name your first child like Senator. <laughs> yeah, but then he'll never be Senator. No, maybe he'll be a governor though. Maybe, but that's not as good. Or maybe maybe she'll be a governor. I don't know why we're assuming. I don't know this because it's not a very girly name. (laughs) What a what a cool girl name though, Senator Senator Lord. (laughs) By the way, that would be pretty great. (laughs) Um, Okay, so at some point he becomes senator. I don't. I didn't write down when. In New York. But then it says, I have a quote about it. It says, This growing estrangement, compounded with his often unstatesmanlike frankness and sarcasm, cost him re election to Congress in 1779. <laughs> That's great. Which is hilarious to me because I'm like, man, how desperately do I want a politician that would be frank and sarcastic? I would love him so much. Right. Like, can you imagine? Because <laughs> they're always putting on their political face. He's just like, nah, man, sucks. Yeah, that must be terrible that you are so stupid. Right. (laughs) As he, like, waves his terrible withered arm around at them. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) That is abysmal. One of my favorite things about Governor Morris is I, I find such a kinship with him compared to, like, other founding fathers. Like, I don't understand Jefferson almost at all as a person. Like Hamilton, even with the musical and like personifying him, I have a really hard time like understanding when he makes terrible decisions and like just generally understanding like that intensity of ambition because I don't have it. Yeah. But Governor Morris is like, I'm on par with him. So he gets, you know, he doesn't get reelected and then he just freaking moves and does something else. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) And I'm like, this is me. Like people don't want me. I'm like, okay. And I'll just leave. Yeah, and you had to leave because you were too sassy. <laughs> right, and so, so it says, political rejection led him to resettle in Philadelphia, where he took up a life of being a lawyer and a merchant. Um, of course. Which earlier, he he got a law degree already, right? Um, yeah. So he's like, why the hell not use it? So let's do it. Other notable things, in 1782, he introduced the idea of, a, of decimal coinage. He invented the word cent to be used for them, uh, and later that became the basis of our nation's currency, so... Good job, dude. Mr. Penny. Mr. Penny. I know, why isn't he on the penny? Mr. Penny. No offense Mr. No offense, penny. Lincoln. I mean, I don't like pennies, but Pennies. <laughs> pennies Governor are Morris should the be worst. on some money. He invented coinage, right? He should be on a coin. Give him a coin. For goodness sakes. Yeah. Like that's continue our theme. It's like here's another person <laughs> who would be better than Andrew Jackson. Right. Governor Morris would be great on money. He invented it. Give it to him. So during the years right after the Revolution, uh, he continued to work in Philadelphia, and then it says, um, "Oh, this is really sweet, that he visited the family estate and he reconciled with his mother." Aww. Uh, and then it says, "In fact, he made a special effort to encourage former loyalists to participate in political affairs, arguing that as Americans they should cast their lot with the new nation." What a, what a good person! I, I know, right? I can't wait to hear how this all goes terribly wrong. <laughs> It doesn't go terribly wrong. He has a good life. Oh, why didn't he like ever run for president or anything? Uh, you'll, I mean, that'll become clear later, I think. Okay. But like I said, if people don't want him, he's just like, eh, and he leaves. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) no, I, I think he just didn't want it. But, um, no, he's a super nice dude and he's really cool. And I really appreciate that specifically because for people who don't know, like for a lot of people during the American revolution, if you were a loyalist, they automatically just hated you forever. And thought that you you should die. You were banished or executed or something. Right. They just like you know, like think Andrew Jackson and how much he hates the British. (laughs) Like (laughs) that's if you were sided with the British, he would want to murder you. He did murder you. He hunted you down (laughs) in Florida. It's true, but Governor Morris, like, it's his own family members, too, which has to feel terrible, you know, that you disagree on something so fundamental, and he immediately goes and just, like, apologizes and, like, hey, and it's right after the war, it says, like, right after we're done, he's like, hey, I still love you, and I would still like to hear your opinions, despite the fact that we disagreed this one time about this kind of major issue. (laughs) about this like enormous the biggest issue i'm so (laughs) sorry yeah right but he knows that those people still have like good opinions and ideas and he still wants them to be involved and not to feel like they're social outcasts now and they have to leave which is just so lovely. I was like, you're such a nice person. It says, Among the most vocal participants of the 1787 Constitutional Convention, Morris argued for granting Congress veto powers over state laws, direct election of the president, and proportional representation in Congress based on taxation. A lot of those things don't happen. <laughs> but those are his ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was when I started reading this that I was like, he must have been friends with Hamilton, Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, he also said under the Articles of Confederation, he said, the fate of America was suspended by a hair. And I'm like, agree. They're terrible. <laughs> yeah. If you ever want to know anything about the Articles of Confederation, try to read them. It's just abysmal and doesn't do anything. So. It's a terrible thing. I have a quote that says, brilliant and irreverent. Governor Morris spoke more often and at greater length than any other delegate. <laughs> Yeah, so he he must have known Hamilton. Oh, right? he did. Yeah, yeah. They're <laughs> friends. Um, but in my head immediately, you know, I hear talks for six hours. The convention is listless. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, how could you not be? Once again, Governor Morris spoke more often and at greater length than any other delegate. So <laughs> longer than six hours. Uh, it says perhaps his speaking prowess was one reason why he spoke 173 times more than any other delegate at the convention. What? And and a different source told me he spoke more often than any other delegate, despite a month's leave of absence. Uh, governor. <laughs> he will not sit down. Governor, <laughs> please sit down. No! He's like, wait, and another thing. Hold on. He's He's exactly <laughs> the kind of person I try not to be in classrooms, where I raise my hand constantly. I limit uh-huh. myself to three times per class that yeah. I'm allowed <laughs> to answer questions or make a comment. He's doing it 173 times despite the fact that he missed a month of class. Yeah. He's like, but I still know more. I'm a I gotta genius. make up for it. I gotta make up for it. Waving his arm at people that will not, like trying to talk over me. He's like, I will wave my hand at you, sir. Sit down. That's I great. have more to say. Exactly. Um, it says he was an ally of James Madison and fought against splintered nation for a strong, unified national government. That's what he's all about. Uh, only Alexander Hamilton may have been a stronger nationalist. They're like, <laughs> one person, maybe. And it maybe. still says may have been. It's like, mm. <laughs> Governor Morris was real into it. Remember, like, Theodore Roosevelt said he is an American first. Also, this is so nice. He's like super against slavery a lot. Like... Way more than I've ever heard anyone be at the time. Oh, my gosh. Why don't we know about this guy? Did That's he just what I'm not, saying. Did he just not do anything? No, what? he did. Just wait. I'm about to get to what he did, which is one of the most important things for our country ever. It says he opposed constitutional protection for slavery or slave trade and disliked the, disliked the Constitution's provision permitting new states to be admitted to the Union on equal footing. So he thought that the original colonies were better and should be better, mm-hmm. which I under, I get. But it said uh, he didn't always get what he wanted. He was an abolitionist saying he would gladly pay taxes to free all Africans and called slavery the curse of heaven. That is so lovely. What a He's good like, take thought. my money, let them go. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll pay for him to let him go. And they're like, no. No. And I'm like, Governor Morris, you're such a bay. You're so good. You're such a good boy. You you tried so hard. Because as much as, like, people will be like, oh, this founding father wasn't, he didn't have slaves, he was against slavery, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how many of them offered to pay to make it go away. Right, which is <laughs> the only way short of uh, murder to actually do it, as we know. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so I added this because um, I find this committee hilarious, the name of it. Uh, It says, as a member of the Convention's Committee on Style and Arrangement. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I can't. But, okay, I'm going to start the sentence over. As a member of the Convention's Committee on Style and Arrangement, he prepared the final draft of the Constitution. Oh, okay. He wrote the American Constitution that we use right now. Well, there you go. So we have him to blame. Yeah, exactly. For the beautiful beautiful document that it is. <laughs> who who named that committee? Um, I think it's a, I mean it makes sense. Like it, I understand it, it. I guess. But cuz I mean there's there's people meeting who are talking about how like what we want to say and then there's people talking about how we want to say it. Uh-huh. So he's on the how instead of the what. And he was nominated by other people on that committee to do the final draft. Nice. Because they thought that he was best at it. It says, most Americans know that Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence, but fewer know that Governor Morris wrote the Constitution. Um, both men wrote with such consummate skill that their words have reverberated through time and distance. Right. Why do we never talk about the <laughs> I other don't know. author? That's... I don't know. It's weird. Huh. Like, it's it's weird that, like, for some reason, the Declaration of Independence seems to be more important that we, because we know who Thomas Jefferson, or not, uh, we know that Thomas Jefferson wrote it. And I know he was a president, but still, clearly, the Constitution yeah. is our most important document. You're right. Yeah. And yet, I had no idea that he wrote it before I did this. <laughs> right, right. Here's an example of what they gave him and then what he came up with. This is for the preamble. Uh, From the Committee of Detail, that's the what people, um, it read, We, the people of the states of New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Providence Plantations, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia, do ordain, declare, and establish the following constitution of the government of ourselves and our posterity. Oh. Just like, Um, so Morris volunteered to take this draft home and prepare a more polished version. <laughs> it says beyond uh organizing the document and language clarification, he wrote a short but eloquent preamble, which is, We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity do ordain and establish this constitution for the united states of america so much better so much better and like once again very strongly establishes how uh, important he thinks that we are as a unified country so he know. he invented we the people uh well they started with we the people in the first one. Oh, okay Gotcha. We, but then they, 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 uh, they, they followed it up with the states, like literally listing all of the people. Yeah. Instead of we, the people of the United States, he made that. Yeah. He declined his friend, Alexander Hamilton's invitation to contribute to the Federalist. <laughs> he played no role in the ratification of the constitution. He just wrote it. Okay. Once again, with Morris's personality it makes perfect sense to me. It's like, Alexander Hamilton's like, we got to yell at them and fight and make them do it. And he's like, I just don't care that much, dude. Like, I wrote it and I did my part. And like, if they don't want it, whatever. Yeah, I understand that. It's like, it's, it's the, the fate of the, the really good editor. It's like, I, I'm not the publisher. I'm not like the, the original, like anything. Just like, I'm just here to make it the best that it is. Right. I'm amazing. And he certainly did. He did a very good job at that. And like I said, he's he's very much like take it or leave it, basically. So he's not going to push people, you know, like the whole point of the Federalist Papers is to encourage the general masses that they want this Constitution to pressure the people in, you know, the in Congress to ratify it. And Governor Morris is not about that life. He doesn't care. He's like, right. I contributed. I did what I could. I'm done. I have other stuff to do. I'm out. Uh, like, he has other stuff to do. Like, in 1780, he is in a carriage accident in Philadelphia, and his left leg was amputated below the knee. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So he... Oh, no. But do you so want to love con- him some more? Uh, Yeah it says despite an automatic exemption for military duty because of his handicap and his service in the legislature. So both of those things exempted him. He joined a special briefs club for the protection of New York city, which would become the New York guard. Oh, what a good boy. He's, he has what a, a gimp boy. arm and he's missing a leg and he's like, no, nah, I'll do it. I'll do it. They need me. Let's do it. They, they need me. I must go. So my favorite thing about this carriage accident, I was like, what happened? Right? And so I looked it up and there was a website specifically that talked just about the accident. Oh my gosh. Okay. Which is great. I mean, it has other stuff about him, but like this specific link was just about the accident. And it starts (laughs) with like almost hedging for him about why this happened. It says, Dock Street is one of many difficult alleys to traverse in the eastern section of Philadelphia between Walnut and Chestnut. Logan's Alley, next to the City Tavern, was among the most difficult for Philadelphians to negotiate in the evening. <laughs> I, I need sources for this. I need to hear about all of the terrible navigating. <laughs> I mean, I'll post it and you can find the one. But um, <laughs> it's hilarious to me, just like they're like, well, it was a hard situation <laughs> to get <Yeah>. through. <laughs> so to we're not fair, surprised. It was, it was really hard. Are you ready to, are you ready to hear about why this might have happened? Yes. So it says, rumor has it that Morris uh, was quite attracted to women and they to him. Um, so he's kind of a pimp daddy like Ben Franklin. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, except Ben Franklin was married while being a pimp daddy. Governor Morris, no. He doesn't get married till very late in his life. So he's totally allowed to be a pimp daddy. Not cheating on anybody. But it it's says completely legal pimping. <laughs> But uh, it didn't seem to be crucial to him as to their marital status, is what it says. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so, you tried. They might have husbands, but uh, he doesn't have a wife, so yeah. it's he, fine. He's He's fine. And so uh, I will say one of the stories says, in 1780, his carriage was run over, or or, a carriage ran over his leg during an attempt to flee from an irate husband. Oh, no. My favorite is the end sentence. So it says, apparently the amputation of his leg did not make Morris, who never took himself too seriously, less attractive to women. Oh, well, I mean. He's got a gimp arm. He loses a leg and he's still (laughs) pimp daddy. I, I guess some people are into that. I don't know. I have heard that he had a very—he was very charming and had a really good way with words. So, he was absolutely an assassin. Because I'm going to no say doubt. if you if you look up pictures of him, like paintings, obviously, but um, he is not handsome at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's really weird looking, actually. Uh-huh. And um, like, there's a picture of him next to Benjamin Franklin, and like, I'm not saying that Benjamin Franklin is ugly because I don't think so, but he's not handsome. No. But next to Morris, he I understand why people would be attracted to Benjamin Franklin. Yikes. <laughs> Governor Morris, his hair is crazy and he just looks like a weirdo, but he's hot stuff apparently. Wow. Did you look up a picture of him? Nope, I'm just imagining oh. it in my brain. <laughs> um so he's I was looking for like more specific details, right? So it says uh, his left ankle was caught in the turning spokes of a moving carriage wheel. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's bad. Oh, which Yikes. I was trying to think about how that would happen. Um, and the only thing that I can think of is he's trying to jump onto this carriage. Right. Yeah. Sure. And then, like missteps and then gets it in there. Because otherwise, like, what are you doing? Sticking your leg in front of it? You, I mean, you would get it run over like it would just roll over your leg. It wouldn't yeah. get stuck in it. Right. So one of them I read, it says, there's another one that says there was a rumor that he jumped from a balcony to avoid an irate husband and thus had to have his leg amputated. So that one doesn't mention it being run over at all. Just that he jumped from a balcony. And that's from Carl Van Doren, who's author of *The Great Rehearsal*. He talks about another guy, McDonald, who also says something similar. um, That they they think that was the rumor, and actually, that he lost his left leg being thrown from a carriage. (laughs) So now we're up to that's terrible. That he was run over by a carriage. That he was thrown from a carriage. That he was jumping on a carriage, or that it was a balcony. (laughs) So we have no idea. They have literally no idea. But according to Van Doren, um, the reason he doesn't think it was the balcony jump is, (laughs) he says, there are no amorous balconies in Philly. (laughs) (laughs) There are no amorous balconies. There's no sexy balconies, none whatsoever. So it definitely wasn't that. No throwing people off of them because sexy times. No, Nobody, nobody would do that. (laughs) So are you ready to hear about amputations? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So it says, with his regular doctor out of town, the attending physicians recommended amputation of the left leg below the knee. Morris consented. Showing a stunning lack of bedside manner, is what it says. <laughs> his regular doctor told him <laughs> upon his return that his leg likely could have been saved. Ugh, come on. <laughs> If I had been in town, I wouldn't have cut off your leg. What are you talking about? It's like, uh, I mean I w- I wouldn't have cut it off, but whatever. Whatever you want. You probably want to do. would have been fine. I mean, that's what I like if someone falls from a balcony, like I can see it getting uh-huh. pretty messed up and not like amputated. Right. That's significant. I mean, that I once again, that I would understand if it got caught in the wheel. Right, and it's like mangled that's gonna up be, and dangling by right, a tendon gonna or Right, that's going to thrash you. But yeah, no, I don't understand why you just broke it so bad that you'd have to get it cut off. That yeah. seems once this isn't the best time for medicine, though. So they're like, you know, we could like try to cast you up, but we just or I mean, what if we, we could just, just like, cut it off? Let's just cut it off. Like, let's just cut just, it off and give you a wooden peg leg like a pirate. You'll be so hot. Ladies <laughs> love peg legs. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't even really need help by then, but it's fine. Yeah, he's probably like, I mean, I don't need help, but I'm cool with you cutting it off. So do you want to hear a fun story about his leg? Oh my, yes! Yes! So, 15 years later, which I'll come back to other stuff about it. His peg leg? Or his... Yes, uh, his peg leg. Oh, absolutely, girl. Tell me. (laughs) So, 15 years later, he's the, uh, which is... He's the ambassador to France, but that's not what they call it, of course. They call it the minister plenipotentiary to France. Minister. Plenipotentiary? Governor. What does that yeah. mean? <laughs> but means anyway we're, it means we're a small country and we need a big name. Yeah. To sound cool. Um so he's he's a minister to France, so he's over there. Um and he was apparently with a lady friend in an ornate carriage, right? Oh he's there while uh the French Revolution's happening. <laughs> so it's oh, no. not good. Um, So he's in an ornate carriage with a lady friend um, when an angry mob approached and started shaking the carriage. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Thinking quickly, Morris whipped off his peg leg, shoved it through the window and waved it and shouted, Viva la (laughs) Revolucion! With his... Was cheered by the sans culottes as the carriage sped into the night. I love and it worked is the Yeah, thing. They're like, "Yay! He's with us." He's got a peg he... le- he's got a patriotic peg leg. It's Even cool. Even though he's everyone. in a f- it's cool. freaking fancy as hell carriage. He just whips off the peg leg <laughs> and he's good. Everybody likes oh. a good peg leg, especially oh, that lady friend he was with in the carriage, I'm sure. How how like a completely, like, uh, it, if that was all it took to, like, right. make mobs not kill you is just, like, wave uh-huh. a piece of wood leg like, out a window <laughs> and, and say, shout some words. I think you maybe could have tried harder to not get uh. executed. <laughs> nah, he was okay. Oh, so a friend wrote to him. This is some of Morris's classic sassiness, which is uh-huh. my favorite. A friend wrote to him that the loss of his leg might have a good effect on his morals, uh, since it would reduce his inclination to engage in the pleasures and dissipations of life into which young men are too apt to be led. Doesn't sound like it. Uh, it says the young Morris responded, you argue the matter so handsomely and point out so clearly the advantages of being without legs that I am also tempted to part with the other. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. What a good argument. I should cut off my other leg. Yeah. Thanks, I didn't realize what a blessing my leg being gone was. I mean, it sounds like it was actually. Yeah, but what a douchebag thing to say. <laughs> yeah, maybe if you cut off your leg, you'll stop sleeping around like a slut. Right. You're Hopefully, it'll help the girls demoner. not be all over you. <laughs> oh, yeah. but see, here's um, you want some proof that men always talk about penises, no matter what year it is? Uh, yeah, add all to the, the time. Pi- our case file of. Men only have one thing to talk about. It's true. Uh, John Jay, who I want to point out, wrote some of the Federalist Papers, um, apparently wrote to Morris that he was tempted to wish that Morris had lost something else. (laughs) Too bad you didn't get your penis caught Uh, in that wheel. Yeah, too bad. I'm like, I bet he still would have done better than you, loser. Yeah, he's like, I mean, it wouldn't have stopped me. I would have just had, I would have had wood all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) here's a quote from that page about the very like the specifics about the uh, incident Uh, that governor Morris lost one leg in 1780s is not in dispute but which leg did he lose was it the left leg or the right leg I thought it was the (laughs) left check out the artistic interpretations of the constitutional convention page so the artistic interpretations of the constitutional convention page is uh paintings of the Constitutional Convention. So what they're saying, basically, is that artists did it wrong. Um, So on some of them, it's his left leg, and some of them, it's his right leg. Oh, no, they weren't consistent. (laughs) So I played this game Uh with these pictures called uh, Spot the Peg Leg. Yes. And I was very disappointed because only in one of them could I find his peg leg. And in all the other ones, he's sitting down and you can't see his legs or he's standing behind people. And I'm like, are uh, you joking? If I was an artist and one of the people at the Constitutional Convention had a peg leg, that's he would be front and center.
1: <laughs> it's so much easier us. to draw <laughs> a peg leg v-
0: <laughs> than a regular leg. <laughs> <laughs> That'll lend us legitimacy as a country. I want right. one of our people to have a peg leg, like a pirate. Like, seriously. But he wrote the Constitution. <laughs> that They're just hiding him behind. That's They're tucking him up worse. in the corners and hiding him behind people. I'm like, put him front and center where he belongs. No, it's even worse, though, because then it's like the the guy who wrote your uh, Constitution is the peg-legged pirate man. Yeah, but the, he's With great. the weird arm. Have I not proven how great he is to you? His arm always looks normal, even though they said it didn't work. Uh, But you don't know that from a picture. I'm just I'm saying from the painter's perspective. Okay, well I guess. Well, and a lot of these paintings are like a hundred or two hundred years after, so also true. They might not have known stuff. According to Richard Brookheiser, who's the author of Gentleman Revolutionary, Governor Morris, and then subtitle, The Rake Who Wrote the Constitution. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He continued, are you ready for this? This is where I'm like, he's an assassin. Uh Uh-huh. He continued to ride horses, climb church steeples, shoot river rapids, and shake his wooden leg dancing. (laughs) Why is he climbing church steeples? Uh, people you know don't why? do that <laughs> because he has to do the leap of faith. That's what I'm saying, because and he's got to get the map points. Yeah, exactly. He has to get few points, Alexis. Exactly. Know. <laughs> why else? But he's climbing them with a wooden leg. <laughs> How cool would it be to play an Assassin's Creed game where your character is climbing church steeples with a wooden peg leg? <laughs> I mean, I, I have two not peg legs and I can't. Climb church steeples. So clearly, normal leg is not part of the secret sauce that you right. need for church steeple climbing. How fun would it be for the uh, the people who make the games to have to do that? Like <laughs> <laughs> to have to do that? Like um, graphic design? Yeah. And like make it make sense. They're like, how physically do you even do this? They'd have to have like professionals practicing with wooden pickles so they can film it, <laughs> figure it out. Oh, They'd have to my hire. Gosh. They'd have to hire people who are parkour masters and get them to train with their leg tied up and a peg leg on the bottom. Oh, I was going to say, oh, that, that's much kinder than the idea I had immediately. Which was cut off their leg. <laughs> you have to find a lot of parkour masters and amputate one of their limbs. <laughs> no. That would be horrifying. Never do that. That's the worst. No, you just tie up the leg, Haley. Ubisoft is so hardcore. Sometimes it's terrifying. They need to calm down <laughs> about their Governor Morris. Uh, they they would have to change their uh, like their intro uh, warning. Like our our team consists of people from all like races and religions, but not parkour people because we <laughs> we mutilated them doing this. They were definitely harmed. In the making not all, of, all of our people have limbs. <laughs> anymore i also i i think i have a soft spot for governor Morris specifically because of this leg incident because my dad is also missing one of his legs Mm -hmm. he was just born without it but like i think part of that make like it it, um endears him to me like i i was already endeared by his like dislike of slavery and his like willingness to bounce when people don't like him but um i really like his peg (laughs) leg Right. And and I'm endeared towards him because I have a super thing for assassins without a, a limb. That's true. You love Stumpy. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Okay, so he, he after that, he becomes, um, his next big thing is when he's um, a minister, the minister plenipotentiary of France. Um, and I guess, so my favorite thing I read about this was that he wasn't, he was already in Europe when they were like, Hey, do you want to do that since you're over there? Uh, Hey, who, who do we have over in Europe? Let's have that guy do it. Already. Right. Yeah. He, well, first, I guess he was nominated, um, by Alexander Hamilton to George Washington. He was like, Hey, you know who should go over and talk to the British for us? Governor Morris. That little that little sass muffin. He'll get the job done. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and they were like, "Okay." Like George Washington's like, "Sounds good." And then Governor Morris is like, "Okay, I'll go." And then he goes to talk to them and they don't like him oh, immediately. Surprise. Right. And so they're like, "Oh, okay, come back." And he's like, nah, that's okay. I'll be in <laughs> Europe for a while." So <laughs> yeah. he stays in Europe for a few years just like running around, hanging out. Sleeping with the chicks, partying, dancing with his peg leg. Yeah, and he's like doing some business too sometimes. Then they're like, "Hey, do you want to administer to France since you're still already over there and you didn't come back like you were supposed to?" And he's like, "Okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> why not?" Yeah. So he goes to France. Um, <laughs> but I said, speaking of being in France, Governor Morris was not into the French Revolution at all and uh, hatched a scheme to save uh, King Louis and Marie Antoinette. Hatched a scheme. Hatched a scheme. Um, so uh, I tried a highly s- successful scheme, <laughs> we uh, Clearly, know. <laughs> So, which once again, like, how assassiny can you be? Right. Right. Like, what is happening? On the other hand, like, it's a very not-assassin thing to, like, save the, the king. It just depends. King. I mean, but politically, it just depends on who, what you see out, like, the benefit out of it. Sure. You know? He's an American assassin. He's not a French assassin. Yeah, that's true. And he thinks it's better if we keep Louis and Marie. Uh, So I tried so hard to find details about this and they don't really exist. But I did learn the reason we know this is because Louis sent him um, 547,000 livres, which I have no idea what is in money now. Um, And he tried to get him to take all of his royal papers, too. And I don't totally know what that means. (laughs) huh i yeah i'm not sure but governor morris wouldn't take them he only took the money he didn't want the papers (laughs) i'll take your money but not your papers (laughs) but but the money was for a royal army to crush the revolutionaries which clearly did not work right and i think he's like they mentioned what happened to the money but i don't remember and i don't really care he didn't keep it. That's the point. That's all. That's all of the details I have about that. <laughs> that's it. And that's I read, all like, I have to say I read that's like four saying. different things about it and that's all they told me. That's so weird. They don't like tell you like how it like that. Was that just the extent of his involvement? Yeah, I don't. They don't know really what happened. It seems that like, he didn't really write about it. It doesn't sound like he wrote a lot. Like he wrote letters, but he didn't keep journals or anything. It doesn't seem like. So they don't know. And he probably wouldn't have written about that anyway right right because it could be a problem treasonous or something the templars might catch him (laughs) it's true so you just gotta keep it all inside but he did very well for himself in France with the ladies you know just like ben franklin did yeah they are so into like really weird americans coming over yeah it's it's true it's their fetish so while he's in France, he, it says his French liaisons included a three-year love affair with novelist Comtesse Adelaide de flojo, who was married to a count 35 years her senior. Um, oh, and she lived go. in an apartment inside the Louvre before its conversion to an art museum. What? That's cool. So he's banging her in the frickin' Louvre, man. <laughs> Nice. That's going to be weird later when it becomes a uh, museum. I really want to know like, if they know what rooms. <laughs> they probably know what rooms. They probably know. I want to go to the Louvre and be like, Governor Morris had sex in here. <laughs> like, ask <laughs> ask the tourist people. The, like the, the tour guides. The tour guides. Like, yeah. where, where was the room where Governor Morris had, where he, like, banged all the ladies? Where he banged? Well, no, just just uh, Comtesse Adelaide de okay. where Who where I'm going to he... do... Uh, Episode about her because her life, I like clicked on her and read her thing, and her life is crazy That's and awesome. awesome. I and mean, I'm she has an it. apartment in the Louvre, so right awesome. as a novelist, yes. um, and, like, and she's married to <laughs> she's married to a guy who's thirty five years older than her. So and she like made a lover out of the American ambassador guy, <laughs> not just him either. Um, yeah, uh, it yeah, says I'm Morris. Like, you, I'm sure Morris shared sure. his mistress with French diplomat Charles Maurice uh, de Talleyrand. So, Talleyrand, who would sell the Louisiana Purchase to the United States as Napoleon's foreign minister. <laughs> nice. So, thanks, babe. Which I'm like, I wonder if Morris was somehow involved in that? <laughs> oh, was he, like, he, so like he was still around then? No, but if he had, like, talked to Comtesse before about stuff, or she did it because she liked him, like, was like, mm-hmm. hey, Charles, you want to do this thing? That might be cool to suggest to Napoleon. And Napoleon was like, yeah, money, great. Do it
1: do we still have louisiana
0: get rid of it i hate it wait we still have that why get get rid of it sell it to those americans i need money for my wars in europe okay (laughs) i'm not going there i couldn't care less about america unless they're gonna help me with my war
1: useless
0: sell them the weird place (laughs) give me the money Sell them the weird and that's why we got this creole (laughs) which is like french and american english and it's confusing like weird spanish Spanish yeah it's got a whole bunch of crap in there yeah it's just it's a combination of languages that are already a combination of other languages and it's just (laughs) and then it becomes like a creole and then it's especially fancy and beautiful right it's like a it's like a jambalaya or something of language anyway and that was that was our slightly making fun of a state (laughs) for this episode yeah louisiana we got you we got you. You were the unwanted <laughs> child of. <laughs> You're the po boy of this one. Yep, get rid of that. So yeah, it's and that's when he gets. The, they're like, come back to America, and then he's like, no. And then he runs around. it says for four years, <laughs> just whatever. He, he doing care. doing fetch quests and tying right, up loose right. ends. Right, he's got stuff to do. Nobody needs to know specifically what it was. Yeah, assassin business. Assassin business. Right. But anyway, so he comes back to uh, America and he purchases his family home from his half brother, Louis, and he moves back to New York. And then another delegate wrote about Morris, um... This is just like a nice quote about him as we're winding down. Mr. G. Morris is one of those geniuses in whom every species of talent combined to render him conspicuous and flourishing in public debate. He winds through all the mazes of rhetoric and throws around him such a glare that he charms, captivates, and leads away the senses of all who hear him. Whoa. Yeah, I think he might have been in love with Morris. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, like, was he in their roster I don't know. I mean, it sounds like Morris was pretty straight. I I have not heard anything that makes me think that he would have uh, slept with any men. So, but I, don't I completely know. understand the crush. That sounds like he's got a strong crush, yeah. It's very strong crushing. Oh, so he gets back, and then the next year he's elected to finish an unexpired term of the U.S. Senate. So some rando, like Jackson or something, quit, or he... Uh, or the guy died. And so they got like three years left on a term. And so they're like, hey, Morris, do it. And he's like, okay. Is is that how that works? <laughs> I don't think normally. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that's how it works for Morris. But okay. so that's, his, that's when he gets to be a senator. So he served for three years. And then he was up for re-election and he doesn't get re-elected. So he never gets re-elected. They don't like him, apparently, for some reason. <laughs> for some reason. He's too sarcastic. We can't do it. And so, uh, after that, he founds the New York Historical Society, and he, um, in 1804, he delivered a eulogy for Hamilton at Trinity Church. Oh, that's yeah, nice. Yeah, for his buddy, because he was a dum-dum. <laughs> Hamilton, not Governor Morris. He's great. Yeah, yeah, we we know. <laughs> I'm just imagining, just imagining that eulogy, like, getting up and being like, oh, well, here we are as... I feel oh, least... he was I I read some of it and he was very nice. And he was basically just like he was the best dude ever. Oh, what a good friend. It was very sweet. And it was a lot of it was like, I think the end of it, um he basically said like that he was the most American among, among them. And how could they even try to be that close? Basically, that's lovely. He was super nice. I mean, obviously, he liked him a lot. Yeah. Uh, but it says once again, now he's a private citizen again, because, uh, you know, he's not elected, reelected. And um, it says he helped lead the effort to create the Erie Canal, a project that dramatically altered the history of Western development. So, so good job on your uh, canal, buddy. Right? He's not lazing around. You know, he's doing stuff. Right. I have I have notes here that say uh, in 1802 he summarized his best sentiments in a letter to fellow signer John Dickinson. I don't know what they signed together. <laughs> a get well card, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I'm assuming some official document. Um, it says, in adopting a Republican form of government, I not only took it as a man does his wife, for better or for worse, but f- what few men do with their wives, I took it knowing all its bad qualities. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you cad. That's so nice. Are you ready to hear about his wife? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. He got a wife. He gets married uh, at 57. Okay. Governor Morris marries Anne C- Carrie Randolph, who's the sister of Thomas Mann Randolph Jr., who was the husband of Thomas Jefferson's daughter. Okay. Try to do that math. Why? Okay. So his wife is related to the husband of Thomas Jefferson's daughter. Okay. Got it. So there you go. Ready for the quiz. <laughs> for later. It says he had one son with Anne, Governor Morris Jr., who later became a railroad executive. Good, so that's good. that's Good, good. Good yeah, railroad that's gonna make boy. You a, that's going to make you a lot of money soon, babe. Yeah. But do you want to hear about the scandal that is uh, Anne Carey, who goes by Nancy Randolph, his wife? No. <laughs> no? You're not <laughs> okay. Yes, of course. <laughs> so in 1809, ladies' man... Uh the ladies' man turned a Christmas party into a surprise party by making a shocking announcement that he had wed his new housekeeper, Anne Carrie Nancy Randolph. What? Who was twenty two years his junior. No, sir. That's not even the half of it. The marriage was particularly scandalous because Nancy and her brother-in-law, Richard Randolph, had been accused in September 1792 of killing a newborn baby who was suspected to be their illegitimate child. What? What? Nancy forever insisted that the child had been a stillborn. That doesn't answer... That's not the concern. That's not the main concern. (laughs) right? the baby murder isn't the problem. It's that you slept with your (laughs) brother-in-law and produced a child at all. Yeah, that's not the big issue. She's like, no, it was stillborn. It was fine. Yeah, no. I didn't (laughs) murder it. I wouldn't, like, murder a real baby. Oh, my gosh. That's terrible. Why would you think that? (laughs) That's not... Okay, well... No, I read this and I was like, what in the hell is happening? (laughs) And he had to have known this. Yeah. Like, there's a reason people, when he shockingly tells them, which that's probably why they got married um, in secret, (laughs) people are like, what? Yeah. That lady? He knew. He knew. Oh, totally. (laughs) Uh, Can you imagine that cover? It's like, so did you? Did (laughs) that happen? She's like, it wasn't. No. It was stillborn. Why do people keep... (laughs) And he's like, oh, okay, that's fair. Okay, yeah, that's all I was worried about. (laughs) And then the next sentence after that is, Morris became a father for the first time at the age of 61 when Nancy gave birth to a boy in
1: 1813.
0: (laughs) Which, I mean, I'm impressed that she's still having kids because at that point she's 39, which is old. 39, yeah, pretty... pretty. I mean, and then like... Even for now times, that's pretty old. Like, that's dangerous. His cells have got to just be... Getting on the ruined side by now. Yeah, from climbing all those church steeples. All those church steeples. Yep. All that high altitude assassination. So this is, this is near the end of his life, which there's, you know, uh, how he dies is also fun. Near the end of his life is w- when the War of 1812 is, and he is not into it again. He hates the idea of even doing it. And he went so far as to urge New York and New England uh, and the New England states to secede from the Union instead of participate. What? This is the man who's an American first and loves the United States so much. What? He's like, don't do this. It says, when he died, his passing was regretted even by his political adversaries, which I'm like, that's so cute. That's so So nice. he was a good dude, though. Like, everybody likes him. Yeah. Um, And it says, it should probably be no surprise that Roosevelt, another one of the most colorful figures in American history, had an affinity for the charismatic founding father. There has never been an American statesman of keener intellect or more brilliant intelligence, Roosevelt wrote of Morris in his 1888 biography. Had he possessed but a little more steadiness and self-control, he would have stood among uh, the two or three very foremost. Well, yeah. If he wasn't busy like, doing yeah. his shadow job. <laughs> and, yeah, he's too busy to be president because he's an assassin. So. <laughs> Apparently near death, he wrote, You may then, opening your mind's eye, behold your friends as he descends with tottering steps, the bottom of hills, or life's hill. Looking back, I can, with some little self-complacency, reflect, I have not lived in vain. That's all, that's all you can ask for. But are you ready for how he died? Yes! I only have one sentence about this, but I don't think I need to give you a lot more information. I mean, I don't even know if I'm going to believe you, because it's probably a cover-up. You <laughs> probably won't. This sounds fake. It says um, he di- <laughs> he died November sixth, eighteen sixteen, when he's sixty four. So his son's only three years old. By using a whalebone as a catheter, oh, uh, oh no, <laughs> to try to remove a blockage from his urinary tract, don't, which caused internal damage and infection, and then he died uh, from those. by himself. Uh, that's what it sounds like by himself. <laughs> well, then it was his time. He had to go. <laughs> <laughs> he used a whale bone as a catheter Ugh. to remove a, a blockage
1: a yeah. U- yeah in
0: his urinary tract well, he better, had some, uh, something was keeping him from peeing so he was like "You gotta get it out well better just dig it out with this whale bone <sighs> oh gosh <laughs> that's just terrible why did you do this <laughs> why did you go to the doctor like could All they right. not get it out he didn't even I mean, try. I, at this point, you probably shouldn't trust your doctor because he's a dick. It sounds like. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Although that was your that was your Philadelphia doctor. You gotta have a better doctor in New York. Oh, can you imagine just like try him? Like, well, I can't go to the doctor because you'll just ask me to cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> and I need it. Uh, you don't need any more, buddy. You got a kid. You're fine. You're fine. He's like, no, but I I want it. He dies in uh, Morrisania, which is their family estate, um, the same place he was Holy born. Holy crap. That sounded like uh, like an asylum and also Transylvania <laughs> at the same time, but it was like his country? <laughs> no, Morrisania or Morrisania, maybe? <laughs> but that's the name of their household. Okay. it's his last name. Okay, his estate. And that's it. That's Governor Morris. So how did he really die? I mean, if he was... <laughs> If he's an assassin, like, who... <laughs> um, I don't know. Because that, that kind of sounds like maybe someone made it up in a smear campaign after he was assassinated. Yeah. It kind of does, actually. Yeah. No, he uh, used a whalebone bone uh, in his dick. <laughs> it sounds like someone who doesn't know how to lie, and so... <laughs> It's so they bad keep adding it. details yeah. that are like completely outrageous like it every they're like well he had a blockage and they're like in his intestine and they're like no in his urinary tract and they're like what and they're like and so he what did he do he went to the doctor and they're like no he um he used a whale bone and uh stabbed around in there trying to get it and out it's like well he tried he tried to get it out it's like what how did he do that uh whale bone oh. whale whale bone catheter whale bone did you just look at that Picture of a whale and came up with the word. No, it was a whale bone. No, that's what he did, I promise. And um, and then it got infected, so he died. Then it got infected, and we uh, who knows where the body is, or what all these uh, wounds right. are. We don't know. I mean, he probably didn't know how to use the whale bone. That's why he was, like, trying to go through his stomach or whatever. <laughs> Templars are through so stupid. Stomach. Oh, gosh. That's hilarious. <laughs> I can't believe anything yeah. i'm like see but at the same time i'm like if that's how he died i'm not surprised because i'm like that seems fitting sure <laughs> man of many it's like this kind of many beautiful weird... words and many weird <laughs> self-doctrine weird crazy ending to your weird crazy life <laughs> <laughs> yay oh governor morris Governor Morris. <laughs> Holy hell. Senator Governor Morris. Senator Governor Morris. Minister Governor Morris. <laughs> Senator Governor Minister Morris. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I love that he also named his son Governor Morris Jr. Yes, oh my gosh! Like, <laughs> so that there's another Governor Morris. So then is- I, I'll have to talk about, I one of the founding fathers I have written down is Gunning Bedford Jr. Have you heard of him? No. That I need to do sometime? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, do it. But um, I think in his family, there's like seven people named Gunning Bedford. <laughs> okay. Not joking. And I'm like, what? Gunning. <laughs> Bed- Gunning Bedford. Bedford. I'm like, this is such a weird name. Gunning Bedford, one, two, this? three, four, five, and seven. <laughs> and six. And you're number seven. Yeah, <laughs> <And> six. Somewhere <laughs> in there. I forgot six. I was counting up to seven. I forgot six. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, seven. <laughs> i think that means it's about time to end (laughs) yeah i think that means forget six i think that means we're done all Uh, right uh so were you glad that you learned about governor morris oh my gosh yes he's so cool he He might be my favorite founding father now i know i love him we i want to be his best friend well uh yeah yeah maybe I, I do. I don't I know. Be it uh, depends on like what cutscene they want to put me in. <laughs> I want to be his best friend, and I'm like, "Come on, Governor! How did you get your legs stuck in the thing?" <laughs> See, doesn't that make you question that yeah. too? That you're like, "How did that happen?" Uh-huh. He he was at actually. the very least like actually shoved <laughs> under the carriage. Like they they positioned him inside the wheel. They're like, You'll you'll never climb another steeple again. (laughs) It's like putting someone on railroad tracks, except for you put his leg in a thing and he's trapped. Or they did they did something terrible to that leg and then like shoved him out a window. Probably. And then later they're like, There are no amorous balconies in Philadelphia. It's like, No, it was a window. He shoved him out a window. (laughs) It's a murderous balcony. There are plenty of those in Philly. I love how um, confidently that guy says there aren't any amorous balconies. I'm like, have you checked all the balconies? Have you made love in any of them? <laughs> Maybe there used to be amorous balconies. You don't know. <laughs> That's true. They don't, like, note them when they're doing a <laughs> you census. Didn't, right. You didn't go back in time and check. So. <laughs> like, door to door. Would you consider your balcony amorous? <laughs> like, no. Okay. Get out. well i mean go back i i did a check of everyone with balconies and there are no amorous balconies in philadelphia (laughs) in philadelphia yep other places totally oh now we're past when we should have stopped past the point of no return anyway now we're so (laughs) past (laughs) that point uh thank you for joining us and learning about governor morris laughing with us and uh don't don't throw anyone out of an amorous balcony in philadelphia even if it doesn't exist uh but what you should do what you should do is leave a comment on itunes or or rate rate us. us Um, or email us, who you'd like us to talk about, at uh, hystericalhistorypodcast at gmail.com. We, you can also find us um, on Facebook or other other places. Maybe on Twitter. We haven't really been updating Twitter. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, but all the links, even episodes you can listen to, are on our webpage at fm look at you you remembered the f and the N. <laughs> I know i was consciously thinking about it every single letter <laughs> I, could, I could hear it in your voice <laughs> yeah you can hear <laughs> you it simplecast.fm yep beep boop bop back to robots <laughs> <sighs> uh what else all right what else i think that's pretty much it yeah, i think that's it all right yep so uh, thank you and you'll hear us next time man be an assassin today yes but but you didn't hear it from us Bye. Uh bye bye bye